Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Hello and welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast. Today we're here talking about something that I get asked about all the time and that is how to tell whether something you're doing in your marketing is worth it. So often I speak to psychologists and therapists in psychology business school who are feeling really demoralised or a bit unmotivated when they first join us because maybe they've been plugging away at a blog for the past couple of months or they've been trying to make a go of it on Instagram and they're just not sure whether what they're doing is actually achieving anything for them at all. So today I want to talk about the key principles you need to have in mind in order to always be carefully using your time and resources in your marketing and evaluating whether everything is worth doing and worth spending those valuable time and resources on. And then I want to dive into two common use cases that we have for marketing in a private practice. The first one, we'll be looking at a typical private practice where you're trying to get more inquiries. And the second one, we'll be diving into maybe using something like Instagram, to build an audience for a passive income type product like an online course. So the first half of this podcast will be me with you um, talking into this microphone like I always do. The second half is taken from an Instagram live that I did for one of our PBS members, Hannah, that I just thought was so useful that it should be shared with a wider audience. I thought I would use that content again on here. So if you hear a slight difference in the audio, it's just where we have switched to the Instagram Live. Okay, so first off then, what are the key principles you always need to have in mind in order to be making sure you're never wasting your time? Because we just don't have enough time to be wasting any of it and we certainly don't have enough money to spend money in places that are not bringing us returns on our marketing. Well, the first thing that you absolutely must always know before you embark on any kind of marketing activity, any social media, any blogging, any networking events, any work on your website, absolutely anything. You have to know why are you doing this? What is the metric that you're trying to improve here? There has to be a number that you can track attached to any marketing activity. Then you need to take a baseline. Where are you at the moment with that particular key metric? Then you need to decide what activity are you gonna focus on over the next 30 days to try and improve that metric and make it just one thing, one focused activity that you're gonna give your all over the next 30 days. If you do all of that, it will allow you to track whether you're improving in your efforts, whether you're getting more of the thing that you want, but also to work out the cost of it to you. Because the other thing that you need to do is track your time. So if you are, say, going to focus on blogging over the next 30 days, then I want you to use the Toggle Track app, and that's T-O-G-G-L Track, which allows you to click start and stop every time you do something related to your blog. That way, when you get to the end of the month, you're gonna know exactly how many hours you spent on that blog. Same thing, if you're outsourcing it, then you need to keep a record of exactly what you're spending on outsourcing it. So you'll want to know how many hours did that person spend doing a blog for you and how much did you pay them over that 30 day period. If you know all of that, then you've got all the ability to check whether something is working for you. 
So let's work through that blogging use case then. So let's assume here that the reason that I'm blogging is because I want more inquiries for my therapy practice. Now I've got to say, this wouldn't be my first marketing method for getting more inquiries. I would always recommend networking first, um, but you've already heard that from me <laughs> on uh, this season of the podcast so far. Um, so let's just imagine that I am using my blog to try and inc increase the number of inquiries to my private practice website. So the first thing I need to do then is take my baseline. So how many visits to my blog page am I currently getting over a 30-day period? How many people are clicking on that blog? This is something I can find out from Google Analytics. You need to sign up for an account for Google Analytics. If you have a site that's been made for you by somebody else, they should have signed you up for it. So you might need to ask them for the login. If you set it up yourself, you should know how to access it. It's an absolute must. So if any of you are sitting there and you're thinking, I don't have a Google Analytics account, you have to get one. So just look up on YouTube, how to set up Google Analytics for my website. That's much better than me trying to tell you here because these things change all the time. So just look it up. It's in Google's interest to make it easy for you. So trust me, it's not too difficult. So once you've got your Google Analytics set up, you can then quite easily see how many people have landed on a particular page on your site in the last 28 days. So you're going to look for that number, how many have landed on the blog page of your website. The next thing I want to know is how many people have landed on the contact form of my website. The next thing I want to know after that is how many inquiries have I received? Now, this is where things get a little bit less clear because it is likely if you have a practice like mine that some people will contact you by phone and you won't know where they've come from. Some people will contact you via your form on your website. Great, they'll show up in these stats. And some people will contact you by email, but again, you won't be sure where they've come from. So for that reason, I would collect all of those things together in this statistic. So I would put all of the inquiries that I've received here. It means we'll always be a little bit unsure where exactly they've come from, but unless you've got some more sophisticated tracking going on, you will probably need to just use this as a broad rule of thumb to start with. So make sure that you record how many inquiries you've received in the last 28 days. Finally, you then want to work out how many therapy clients you've onboarded in the last month. So how many of those inquiries went on to become paid up therapy clients who have signed your contract? So make sure that you've got that number written down too. From that, you can then work out your inquiry conversion rate. Say you received six inquiries over the month and you took on three new clients as a result, you would have a 50% inquiry conversion rate. So write all of that down. Those are all of your key metrics for your baseline. Then you're going to do the work. So you're going to follow the advice in this podcast for whatever marketing activity you're doing. So in this case, you're blogging. So you're going to listen to all of our back catalogue on blogging, really try and optimise those blogs for search engines the best you possibly can. You're going to be sharing those blogs at networking events. You're going to be sharing those blogs on your socials, really putting your back into making that blog work for you. And then we come back in 30 days time and we write out all of the same statistics and compare them with the previous month. So then we take those key metrics one by one, compare them and try and draw some useful conclusions from what they tell us. So that first metric was about traffic to the blogging site. 
And obviously our aim over that 30 days has been to try and get more people to go to that blogging page. So if we look at these statistics and we see that we have not achieved that, there are not more people going to the blogging page, then we can infer something from that. It's difficult to be precise at this point, but if you've really put some effort into promoting that blog and there are still no additional hits to it, there aren't many more people coming and checking it out, it's likely that either the title or the subject of that blog just wasn't compelling to people. Maybe people weren't searching for it, maybe we didn't do our search engine optimization properly, or maybe we didn't get out there and promote it as much as we needed to. So in a way, it's kind of easy to diagnose the problem. If there's not enough traffic to that blog, then that's why you're not seeing an increase in inquiries. So if that's the issue, then you start working on writing more compelling content and promoting it more effectively. So hopefully what you'll see is that there is now more traffic, more people landing on your blogging page. But what we're really interested in is do those people that land on your blogging page come over to your contact page and crucially become inquiries? So if we see, yes, there's been a massive spike in people coming to my blogging page, it'd be really easy to just get excited, pat ourselves on the back and walk off into the sunset. Well, in reality, if your aim was to get more inquiries, but none of those people translated into inquiries, then actually the blog isn't doing anything other than making us feel good about ourselves. And, and that's not to say blogging doesn't have other purposes. It absolutely does. But if what you need is more inquiries, then if you've been successful in getting more people onto your blog, but they've not translated into inquiries, that blog, something about it is not working. And we need to be able to fix that. So you look at whether your number of inquiries has gone up and whether it's gone up proportionally to the amount that your traffic has gone up. And if it has, yay, we know that it's working. Then, then we look at has your number of therapy clients that you've onboarded gone up and has that gone up proportionally? Is your inquiry conversion rate still 50%? Now, if it has, if it's gone up proportionally, your inquiry conversion rate is still 50% or whatever it was before then you can say, excellent, this blog is working exactly as I hoped it would. It's bringing more people into my world who are then finding it logical to come and book an appointment with me. And they're just as good a quality as the referrals that I had from other sources before. We were estimating that based on the fact that the inquiry conversion rate is about the same. So all good, keep going with the blogging strategy. If, however, you notice something like you were getting more inquiries, but that conversion rate was lower, then we might be thinking, oh, okay, is there something about the people I'm attracting to this blog that means actually they're not such a good fit for working with me? So maybe I need to change the messaging in the blog so that I'm attracting more of the people who are the perfect fit for my therapy services. Or for example, if you find that you're getting loads of traffic to the blogging page, but they're not translating into inquiries, are there calls to action in your blog? Is it clear that you want them to book an appointment with you? That people like them are welcome to book an appointment with you? That you are a therapist who helps people like them? Often, if we are getting lots of traffic to a site like a blog, but we're not translating that into inquiries, it's either because we're attracting people at the wrong time in their journey, so people who are not ready for therapy yet, often, 
or we're not giving people who are ready to come and work with us the opportunity to do so. So you see how knowing all of those metrics tells you where to intervene to improve your marketing. So even if everything is good, you will still see things that allow you to make improvements and make things better and better and better each month. That brings me to the final metric that you'll want to track for anything that you're monitoring in your marketing. And that is whether it was worth it for you financially. So this is where we work out your cost per client. And to do this, we work out your cost per inquiry first. So if you had 20 inquiries over that 28 day period, and you've worked out from your toggle track that you spent 10 hours on blogging and you could be paid at a rate of £100 an hour if you were seeing clients in that time. Then you would be looking at an expenditure of £1,000 on your marketing that month. So say you received 20 inquiries and you spent £1,000 on your marketing, your cost per inquiry would be getting out my calculator, because I can't work that out on my own, would be £50 per inquiry. Now, if you have a 50% inquiry conversion rate, as we discussed before, then that means that you are spending £100 to acquire a client, assuming that this is the only marketing activity that you're doing. If you're doing multiple marketing activities, then you will need to add this all together in order to get an accurate idea of your cost per client. So £100 cost per client might sound like a lot. Uh, And I imagine some of you, if you've not been in business for that long, might feel a bit sick (laughs) about that. But what you also need to work out is an average lifetime value of a client to you. Now, this is about financial value. So it sounds a bit gross and it's not my favourite way of talking, but we do need to understand this. So if you charge £130 per session and you do an average of 12 sessions with people, then your average lifetime value of a client is £1,560. So it probably is worth paying £100 to acquire a client. The reason that I'm talking about this in these specific financial terms is because so many psychologists and therapists forget that their time is worth money. And trust me, when you get busy, you will be turning down clients in order to write your blog if you choose to write your blog. So you need to know exactly how much time you are giving to it and how much that is costing you in financial terms, because this is how you make the decision about whether it's worth outsourcing it or not. So first you do it yourself, you assess the effectiveness, just like we've talked about today, you assess the cost to you, just like we've talked about today, and then if it works, you can then confidently outsource to somebody else, knowing that paying their fee is going to be worth it for you because you know exactly what the return is that you get on this particular investment. So I hope that's made sense for you. And I've applied that specifically to getting referrals in a traditional therapy practice model, because I know that's something that we haven't talked that much about on this podcast. And I think we all need to understand it and it should really be at the foundation of our business skills as uh, as professionals in private practice. What we're gonna talk about in the second half of this podcast, however, 
is applying these exact same principles to monitoring whether something like social media is working to help you grow your audience for an online course or a book or a passive income product. And I was really pleased to get that question from one of our members in Psychology Business School because I think it's so tempting to just spend a few hours every week on social media as busy work just because we think we should. And there are so many shoulds out there in the world of business. And the reality is there is nothing that you should or should not do in business. There is only what works and what does not work. So really, in order to know whether anything is worth doing, you need to try it and monitor whether it works. So I'm going to switch now to the Instagram Live that I recorded for Hannah, our lovely PBS member, on Instagram recently, because I think there's some real golden nuggets in there that I, that I think and I hope you're going to find really helpful. Hi, so I'm here today to answer a question from Hannah, who is a member in Psychology Business School. Hannah asked a really good question. It is the key question we should always be asking ourselves in marketing, is how do I know if this is working? And more importantly, how do I know if it's worth the investment I'm making? First step in working out whether a marketing activity is working for you is to define your goal. Where does this particular activity sit in your customer journey and your overall marketing strategy? If this is your entry point, what action do you want somebody to take next? So for example, if we're talking about marketing on Instagram, that might be at the entry point of your customer journey. So what action do you want them to take next? Well, probably that's gonna be something like downloading a freebie from you to join your email list. So let's take that as an example. So now you need to take a baseline. So how many people are currently taking that action that you want them to take? So for example, at the moment, before investing any particular time in your Instagram, you might be getting 50 downloads a month of your free downloadable. So you need to know that baseline. What did you get over the last 30 days before you make any investment? Now, the next step is to measure in 30 days time how many people are now taking the action that I want them to take. So if you've decided that you're gonna invest you know, a set number of hours a week or a set amount of money on getting somebody else to do your Instagram for you, you need to apply all of that effort, give it your absolute best for 30 days, then come back and look at how many people have taken that action, how many people have downloaded that freebie from you. The next thing is to work out whether it was worth it for the result that you got. So you need to work out how much it cost you. So if you're paying somebody else, this might be really simple. Maybe you paid a social media manager £250 for a month to do your Instagram for you. That's nice and simple. If you did it yourself, you need to work out how many hours you spent doing it and how much money you could have ma made if you were doing something like seeing a client during that time and write that down. Then you need to write down how many additional people on your email list or who took the action did you get above your baseline? So if we're using this example of downloading a freebie and you got 100 people downloading your freebie on top of your usual 50, so 150 in total, then you would have 100 people above your baseline and you could say that that was attributable 
to the extra effort you put into Instagram or the time that the social media manager spent on Instagram. So taking that example then, you need to work out how much each person that took the action cost you. So in this case, each person that came onto your email list. So if you spent £250, either paying a social media manager or doing it yourself, and you got 100 additional people onto your email list, then we can say that each one of those people on your email list cost you £2.50. Now, as a rough rule of thumb, if you're selling something online, like an online course or some other kind of passive income product, you can expect to convert about 1% of your email list. That means about 1% of the people on your list will be likely to buy from you. So that means, based on this maths that we've just done, you would need to spend £250 in order to get one sale which is great because your budget happened to be £250. So you should be getting one sale out of this month of work that you've done on Instagram. Now, if your product or service that you're selling costs substantially more than £250, then it may well be worth it. To know for sure, you have to work out all your other costs and check that you're still making a profit after this investment that you've made on Instagram. But that is a really rough way of figuring out whether any marketing activity was actually worth your time. Now, Hannah wanted to know specifically about Instagram, and I would follow that exact process for Instagram, and that would be my overall view of whether this was worth it or not. Always, always take it down to sales. Everything else is kind of a vanity metric, in my opinion. If you're running a business, you can only sustain that business if you're making sales. So I would use that as your first port of call for making decisions. However, I'm aware that when you start building an audience on Instagram, it can be slow going. And so we need to use other metrics to tell us whether we're moving in the right direction with the expectation that that investment might take a little bit longer to pay off. That's the reality with any of the social media platforms at the moment. So the three things that I do track in Instagram, and I'm not an Instagram expert whatsoever. You'll know that if you follow me. So I'm not an Instagram expert, but there are three things that I follow closely on my Instagram to let me know if I'm moving in the right direction with my content. The first one, and I think by far the most important one for psychologists and therapists and any other professionals is saves. If people are saving your content, then they perceive you as authoritative and it's likely that that content is going to help your marketing endeavors. Authority building is extremely important if you're in a professional space as we are. Um, so if you notice lots of saves on one particular piece of content, then make more on that subject or make more in that format, because that tells you that this is something that people find really valuable and worth coming back to. That is the most important metric that I track. I want to see those going up month on month because we should be, whether it's me doing it or a social media manager, we should be learning more about what my audience and my ideal clients want to see from me and always trying to give them more of that. The second thing that I look at is the accounts reached in the last 30 days. So how many people are actually seeing my content? Again, if I'm paying somebody else or if I'm doing it myself, I wanna be seeing those numbers going up. The third one I look at is accounts engaged in the last 30 days. Who's doing something with my content and is that on an upwards trajectory? 
Now you'll notice there's a few things I'm not talking about here. I'm not really talking about likes. I'm not really talking about comments. And that might be, that might sound a bit controversial. It might be a bit controversial, but that's because we are in the mental health space. There's quite a lot of stuff that we put out there, which people are not going to comment on because it would be outing themselves as dealing with a particular issue. And they may not be ready to do that. Likewise, some of the stuff we put out there is not very likeable, <laughs> is it? And also, I think that we can get really caught up with likes and really concerned about whether people like us. That's not really important. What's important is, do people trust you? And if they trust you, then they're much more likely to save your content. They might not necessarily want to like it. So those are the three things that I look at. You can find all of those on your Instagram insights, which if you've got a business account is in the professional dashboard, which you can see if you just click on your own profile picture. So that's what I would be looking at. I think don't go more complicated than that at this stage. If you, you know, you get really into a particular platform, whether that's Instagram or any of the other platforms, then you can find really specific advice about getting very granular with your data. If it's Instagram, have a look at Later. They have an amazing blog, which will tell you the latest on how to use your insights to their max. But if you're just starting out, it's the broad brush that's really important. Make sure that you know your numbers and you know whether it's worth it before you go and invest months and months and years and years potentially on a marketing endeavor that may not actually be worth it for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Business of Psychology podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps more mental health professionals just like you to find us and it also means a lot to me personally when I read the reviews. Thank you in advance and we'll see you next week for another episode of Practical Strategy and Inspiration to move your independent practice forwards.